A little bread, a little... You know we had to do a remix, right? Take that, take that. It's entirely possible, bub. Oh, I really like that. Daddy likes that a lot. Don't refer to yourself as daddy. <laughs> I do that all the time. It's like, don't refer to yourself as daddy. I'm not like, a fan. Like, daddy's hungry, though. <laughs> Dad, but but daddy's hungry. It's never anything like it's just like me talking, but I talk in the third person and refer to myself. Yeah, she's it's like, like I'm yeah, not gonna say like Tyler's hungry. I'm gonna say daddy's hungry. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a fetish thing. No, it's me saying it to really bother other people. Yeah, <laughs> is what it like, really boils down to. I just want to abuse that. <laughs> daddy's got a podcast. <laughs> yeah. See, that sounds dirty. Oh, that so that's where it crosses the line into fetish. You, you have crossed the line, sir. Oh, we're talking about podcasting. Like hunger, that's that's totally cool. That's in flavor. But if daddy needs to podcast, that is <laughs> too much. Slightly perverted, yes. We're fetishizing uh, the podcast lifestyle. I mean, it, it is so glamorous. So I can understand how you would want to fetishize that. Yes. <laughs> Just sitting here drinking <laughs> Miller Lights and talking about... <laughs> Magic the Gathering. You fucking got her, bud. Ooh, daddy. <laughs> and I'm done. What is up, you flavor judges? Welcome back to another episode of the Fetch and Shock podcast. I am your host, Tyler, the Power Gamer. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Matt, the Combo Player. Matt, what is going on, dude? Nada, man. Just uh, magic stuff. Yeah, magic. Weird. Right? Basically, we what on... my life consists of most of the time. Yeah, I feel like we were on a dry spell over the holidays, where magic was just like not happening. Yeah, not that great. I wasn't playing any magic. I wasn't like giving a shit about magic. I don't feel like anything was happening in magic, like besides like the occasional Twitter drama, which like when is it not happening? But it's almost now, always happening. Yeah. Now that we are deep into 2020, like the first month of 2020 is almost over, dude. Pretty much is over. We're in the throes. Two days of, of yeah. 2020. Like, at this point, nobody should be putting 2019 on, like, like for their dates. Like, that should be long gone. I don't think I've done that once, to be honest with you. I feel like that's just, like, a stereotypical thing people do at the beginning of the year. Just like, oh, look. Oh, I just... And it's hard to turn a 19 into a 20. Because I did it a couple times. Just scratch it out. Start yeah, you over. just have to, like, start it from scratch. Like, there were previous years, like, 18 to 19. Pretty easy. Yeah, you can, tr you can finagle that. Not 19 to 20. No, 19 to 20 is a whole nother beast. Like in 20 to 21, it's going to be pretty easy. Just like, just, just make a big, thick one. Yeah. The whole, yeah, where the whole zero is anymore. Because everybody is just firmly ingrained into the year 2020. They made it. In 2020 so far has been the year of things that I don't hate coming out. Starting with Theros and now moving on to um, the new Unset, Unsanctioned. Unsanctioned looks fucking awesome yeah i'm really excited about this so we got like the initial spoiler for unsanctioned i guess not like not necessarily spoiler but announcement that it was coming down the pipeline and that was like on the same day that we got the announcement for uh like theros beyond death we got the announcement for the next zendikar set and then we got announcements for like some other some like planeswalker supplementary stuff like that uh the Greens Commander Spellbook or whatever they're trying to call it. I, I don't know. But yeah, this is the, so the second official Magic release of 2020 is going to be unsanctioned. It is coming out February 29th. So it's not far away. It's only like a month away. Yeah, a month away. Yeah, which I mean, in, in reality goes like super fast. Like we're going to blink 
and we're going to have this product in our hands. And I know we talked about the product before, but I guess we can we can go ahead and give it an overview again. So this product is essentially its own like sealed version of Magic. So it comes with five 30-card decks, and they're all monocolored. So obviously there's one for each color, white, blue, black, red, green. And Wooberg. Yeah, I got Wooberg. So one of each color, um, 30-card decks. It also comes with two dice, uh, 10 double-sided tokens, 10 uh, premium lands or full art lands, five of which are foil, five of which are not. And then, of course, you got to throw in uh, the reusable box because that's the real selling point. If it didn't come with a box, I'm no, fucking out. buy that shit, yeah. If it just came in like a fu- like a paper bag, just like sharpied on the outside unsanctioned. That would actually be fucking... Okay, yeah, I'm sold, actually. Can we, can we just get rid of the, the reusable box and just do that instead? Because that actually seems pretty on flavor with the set. It just like stapled at the top, <laughs> just like a shitty paper bag. Yeah, it would be the actual best. That was so good. So, but we had that information. I'm pretty sure we talked about it before, but so we had all that information upon its announcement, but today they spoiled the whole shebang. Yeah. They let it all lose. Yeah. Every single card that's going to be in all of, or all of the five decks are, we, we got spoiled, which is so sick. And there are 16 new ones. I don't, I, I don't have the in-depth unset knowledge to know exactly what the new 16 cards one, what the new 16 cards are, but I can pick out probably like 10 of them and they're all so good. <laughs> Holy they're shit. They're all good. Yeah. They're, they're so fucking, fucking hilarious. Awesome. We were looking through them a bit beforehand and it's just constant laughter. Yeah. It's so good. Like in even the old ones, we were flipping through these and just seeing old ones that we remember from the previous onsets. Just being like, I can't believe that card exists. It is so stupid. That's what makes it fucking amazing. Yeah, like Booster Tutor, just a fun playable card. But like they have like the Infernal Spawn of Evil and then the Infernal Spawn of the Infernal Spawn of Evil. And then they, the one of the new ones that they put out is Infernius Spawnlington, the third Esquire. Mr. Motherfucking Esquire. That's so a baller just, like, move. An additional take. So like the first one's the father and then the next one's the son. And now this one's the grandson. I hope they just keep that tradition going in every unset. Just like just keep the family tree growing. Eventually, it's going to be just 60 cards. Well, how big? Because each one of these is getting bigger. Like the first one was a seven, seven. The second one was an eight, eight. The new one's a nine, nine. They're getting wild. Like it's just we're going to have the infernal, infernal spawn of the infernal, infernal spawn of the infernal spawn of the infernal spawn of the Spawn of the Infernius, Spawn LinkedIn, the third Esquire of the Infernal Spawn of Evil. The last one is going to be like George. Yeah, it's just be Jeff. <laughs> He's going to be like a, a, a 2121. <laughs> yeah, but this set's so good. So, I, I mean, we could we can talk about some cards. I guess we could maybe discuss the gameplay before we dig into actual specific cards. So, like I said before, this is its own individual set of magic. So you So, you buy it. And it comes with all the things that we that were previously mentioned. And the idea behind it is you get this box and then you can take any two of the five decks, shuffle them together to make a 60 card deck. And then one of your homies just does the same thing with another two decks and then you battle. Or hear me out. Each person buys a whole set of it, shuffle it all together. That is definitely something you could do. And like the Commander possibilities style. of this are fucking endless. 
Like you yeah. could, like you said, depending on how much this costs, because it could just be like something that's like thirty five bucks. You could draft it, would be, it if you really fucking wanted to. Yeah, it would be totally cool if like all of all of the homies just got like one of these, or even if you just like bought like like two of them and just had like four people come over and then you could just like put a random assortment of decks. Just because the way that you do it, you could have ten different decks and just get like just ready to battle. Yeah, just fucking smash each other. Yeah, or. Like, like, think about this. If you have, you buy one of the previous unsets, right? Like, you buy a box of the previous unset. So, like, unstable. That's probably the cheapest one, the easiest one to get your hands on. You buy a box of that, and then each person gets a deck, and then you draft, and then you build a sealed, like a, like a forty card sealed deck, or like a, you could do a sixty card deck, honestly, at that point of the the already built deck, and then whatever deck that you built from draft. That would be tight. Yeah, it's going to be fun, I think. Like, the possibilities are endless. And you could just use this as a jumping off point. Like, you don't have to just keep these 30-card decks as they are. This gives you an option to go get, like, other unset cards or even just, like, just other cards in Magic that aren't necessarily unset cards and build your own decks with these and just have a battle box just ready to roll. Because, like, then it's not like a Commander Knight where everybody has to bring a deck and, like, decks can be of different power levels or... Like a draft night where like everybody has to chip money or somebody has to like open one of their boxes and then sort through the cards afterwards and stuff like that. Like this is just ready to roll. No work involved. Just shuffle up and go. Sleeve it up or whatever and you're you're set. Yeah. And I mean, that's if I had to pick one thing about this set to complain about. This is negative Tyler 2020 Tyler. Your negativity coming out. Uh, it should come with sleeves, right? I don't think anything has ever come with sleeves. No, it hasn't. But like, I'm pretty sure the Pokemon G TCG, like almost all of their boxes come with sleeves. The same Pokemon, son. You're right. It's definitely not Pokemon. That's it's very, very obviously not Pokemon, but it could learn from that. I feel like we got the like expedition lands or expeditions and like masterpieces and stuff. We totally stole that concept from Pokemon. One thousand percent. Really? Oh, yeah. Big time. Because they have like secret rares. Like how on magic cards at the bottom, they have like what number the card is in the set. Like Pokemon have like secret rares that when you open them, the number like exceeds the number of cards in the set. So it's just like an extra card tacked onto the end. Did not know that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they're super sweet, too. And those are like the pricey cards. Like those are like the the expedition masterpieces of Pokemon. But really the expeditions and the magic and the masterpieces and magic are just the hyper rares of Pokemon. Or the secret rares of Pokemon. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, Pokemon's been doing that forever, too. Welcome to the Fetch and Shock Pokemon podcast. Pokemon TCG podcast. Daddy knows a lot about Pokemon. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Is that one suitable? Is that good? Does that one pass? I think that one actually does pass. Okay, because it's about Pokemon. Like, there, I don't think you could put that in any weird context. Okay, you definitely could. I was about to say, you fucking rephrase Roll that. 34 Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Roll 34, dude. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, everyone. Now we're the we're the Patrick Roll 34 podcast. <laughs> God damn it. That's the after hours podcast. Yeah. But like I said <laughs> about about uh uh unsanctioned, there's like li unlimited possibility. And some of the new cards that they printed, they printed like actual unlegendaries, which we did not have very many before. There might have been a few, but they're not. I mean, there obviously was a few like we had the Johnny Combo player and stuff like that. But now we have like actual cards like Circardian Night Owl. This card I saw yesterday and I probably laughed about this card for like 15 minutes straight. Just thinking about how just perfect this flavor is. Yeah, it's funny. 
Yeah, so it's a night owl, but it's also a night owl. Do you get it? Because it's an owl that's a night, but also it stays up late. Yeah, I get it. Do you get it? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and it also has night life link. So it gives your nights life link, but because it's out at night, it has a night life. Do you get it? Not anymore. Nope. <laughs> I but lost like, it. I had it and I lost it. God damn it. Yeah, so it does have nightlife link. So it, every when so it deals damage or if, if damage is dealt by knights, uh, you control, you gain life. So all your knights pretty much just have life link. That's all that means. And for a one white, um Sir Cardian Night Owl gains vigilance until the end of turn, but you can only activate this ability from sunrise to sunset. And then for one black, Circadian Night Owl gains flying until end of turn, and you can only activate this ability from sunset to sunrise. So depending on the time of day, uh, this guy gets either flying or vigilant. It's actually really funny. That's so good. It is kind of irritating that the bird knight doesn't just always have flying. Like, couldn't they have given it, like, death touch at night and vigilance in the day? No, I think it's perfect the way it is. Okay, that's fair. I can't be mad at that. But then there's also, like, flavor judge, which is just a 2-2 bird for two mana but you tap it and you choose target spell or ability that targets a permanent you control. Then ask a person outside of the game. If the story of what will happen makes sense. If they say no sacrifice flavor judge and counter that spell or ability. So I can yeah. imagine like you and me sitting down at a table playing this and this card gets activated and you're just like, turn to your wife and just yell. Hey, and explain the situation. She should be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you're like, see, told you it doesn't, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I plan on doing that multiple times. Yeah. That flavor judge is going to be able to get abused. I love it so much. But are there any other uh, notable cards from this set that you thought were pretty sweet? Any notable ones? I, I mean, they're all really funny. The uh, booster tutor got new art. Yes. Which I'm is so it sick. Up. Cause it's like super reminiscent of the old art too. So if you're listening, go look up the old Booster Tutor ride versus the new Booster Tutor ride because they're both awesome. The uh, Cheaty Face is back. Yeah, one of my favorite cards of all time. And just ar like arguably so, probably one of the best cards in these decks. It's just a free 2-2 uh, two -two flyer. Yeah, the uh, the Bevy of Beebles, the Planeswalker. Yes, this is the first un-Planeswalker that we've ever seen. Yeah. It's Bob. It is Bob. And the art is just so good. It's so busy, but it's awesome. All the Beebles. Yeah, so... Yeah, Bob. And, like, it's a really cool design. So the Bevy of Beebles, or Bob, is uh, five mana for three and two blue. It's a legendary Planeswalker Bob. Um, and when it enters the battlefield, you make four 1-1 one, one blue Beeble creature tokens. Its static ability is the number of loyalty counters on Bob is equal to the number of Beebles you control. But it also has, like, a plus one and minus one ability. So anytime you create or you plus one, you add a Beeble. Anytime you minus one, you sack a Beeble. Yes. So plus one is up to X target Beebles can't be blocked this turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand, which is pretty neat. And then minus one is just draw a card. Yeah, so sack a Beeble, draw a card. Yeah, seems okay. Or plus one, all your other Beebles get minus one, or um, sack a Beeble, draw, or plus one, make a Beeble, and probably most of them can't be blocked. Oh, yeah, there's a good portion that, like, all of you are just like, we're good. I don't think this card is very strong at all, but it's great. Um, I think everything in these in this set is probably going to be, it's, like, pretty scaled back. Like, yeah, there are some obvious, is. like, very broken cards just because of the way that the rules work with how dumb these cards are. But I think it's on par with, like, how everything else is. The Jack in the Mox. So good. 
Oh my goodness, it's just it's just a mox, but you roll a die to decide, decide what mana you produce, or you sacrifice and lose two life, or at least five, five life. life. But yeah, there are some old classics in this, and some new future classics, which is good. I'm glad to see that we're getting the a reprint of Paper Tiger, Rock Lobster, and Scissor Lizard. Yeah, I wish they would have done the old border on them, but yeah, they're still, still neat. Yeah, because that's just like one of the greatest series of cards ever. And we get the reprint of the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons, which is phenomenal. Because that, that card, card is just actually like a really fucking good. Merge of the nerd. That card's so good. Yeah. That card's insane. And it's cool that like I was also going to mention that we because we got legendaries in this set that opens up the world for Uncommander, which would be so sick. I think a lot of these should just be playable in Commander as is. Well, that's the thing with Commander, though, right? It's like anything is legal in Commander. Because ideally you're playing commander with like all of your friends and like because you're playing with your friends and you don't have like the DCI breathing down your neck, just anything is legal. Like if you all sit down and decide that, oh, yeah, we get to play on cards in our decks, then you get to play on cards in your deck and nobody can tell you different because that's Mm -hmm. how it works. Like, sure, if you take it to like the command zone at like your your local uh, magic fest, then maybe like you got to take out the silver borders. But no, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, or you're just sitting down with a bunch of cool people. Or just stay, or just play with your friends. I vote just play with your friends anyway, because friends are cool. Maybe not. Maybe your friends suck. Who knows? That's fair. Well, if your friends suck, get new friends. Fair. I can dig it. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm, depending on the MSRP of this, definitely picking it up. Yeah, if it's reasonable, um, I will plan on doing the same, because it's super fun. You can just fuck around with it anytime you want. Yeah, just like, you want to play Magic, but also, like, you don't want to give a shit. This is the perfect thing. Yeah. Like just grab like a 12 pack, sit around and just have a couple beers and play some, some of this goofy, goofy version of what magic is. Arguably, this is a more fun version of commander. Oh, I, I, I think it's just like the most fun version of magic. It's like just <laughs> strictly fun. Vintage cube is the best form of magic. Oh, vintage cube is very fun. But like how often do people get to play vintage cube in paper? Almost never, unless you have an actual vintage cube. Yeah, unless you know somebody who's spent the time either making a proxy cube or, like, actually physically has one. This is going to be far more accessible than anybody having a vintage cube. For sure, yeah. Now, Matt, I have a question for you. What up? How many millions of dollars do you think these premium lands are going to be? Probably pretty expensive, if I'm being honest. Yeah. pretty dope. Like, you and I were excited about the cards in it. But I think the general consensus is that these freaking basics are the sweetest part of this entire ordeal. Especially the foil ones. Well, we know my feelings about foils, but these, like, the, they also, like like I said before, they come with five non-foils and five, like, foil versions. Yeah, even the art on the regular lands, pretty fucking nice. Like, they're pretty sweet. Yeah, and they got, like, a bunch of heavy hitters to do the art. For, like, the basic ones. Like, there's a Mark Pohl one, there's a Rob Alexander one, there's a John Avon one. Like, th- they didn't get just any slouch to do these lands. But no, the, that's probably why they look so fucking good. But the full arts, man. Oh, boy. So for those of you out there who haven't seen them yet, I highly recommend you go search the internet and find these full arts, because they are wild. But they have, they're, like, reminiscent of every other unland that we've ever seen. All put into one. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. They aren't borderless. That's the only thing. They do have borders on them. They do have borders, but like, it, but it's just like the typical magic border, and the art extends 
to that border. So in a sense, they are like the full art ones from the second onset. But then they do have like that gold interior border, like on the original onset lands. So like they, they're just a, a mismatch of every flavor of unland, but it's in the best way. And these arts, I said this before when you and I were just talking about not on the air, these arts are like so perfectly done because they fit the theme of like the unset so well because they are like slightly cartoony, but they're not like obnoxiously cartoony. Yeah. Like the, uh, I guess the closest analog to that is uh, the secret layers. Like some of those secret layers were so cartoony that it like it really felt strange but because yeah, it was a secret layer it's like you give it a pass but these are just a perfect middle ground of being like just very just super saturated in color and a lot of like very extreme lines going on but still like fall somewhere in the world of like what a traditional land looks like like these are just so out of the park fucking beautiful yeah they're really good i like them a lot just so so good yeah these are gonna be worth a uh, hundred million dollars I don't know about that. Um, do you think these are going to be the most money. expensive lands? No, definitely not the expensive one. I don't know. There's actually, I think there's actually a chance that these get to maybe not like the gurus. I think there's a chance that these get to be like at least the foil versions, some of the most expensive lands that we have ever seen in Mac. Uh, the I forget which ones they are. The Therese Nilsson foils are up there too. Oh, the Judge Promo ones. Yeah. I feel like these are going to get these are going to see as like a, a very similar quantity as those. Maybe we will see, I guess, because like you're going to have to buy two boxes to get even like uh, like a like a, a an amount that you can put in like a normal deck and like the, that doesn't run like that runs like multiple basic lands. But like I would have to buy just to get these lands just out of the boxes for death and taxes. I would have to buy like 18 of these boxes just to get non foil planes to run in. Death and Taxes and Legacy. Or you can just wait till people put them on eBay and then buy them. Yeah, I'm just saying like just like being able to get these like organically, like not on the secondary market. It's very, very hard. So the secondary market is completely going to like dictate how these lands are going to shake out. Mm, fair. I do think you're probably right that like the the Therese Nielsen Judge Premos are probably going to be the most expensive ones. But e these are going to be up there. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be quite as expensive, but you're right. They're probably going to be like $40, $50 for the good ones. Yeah, especially for the foil. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely use these to, like, these are going to be a, like a very sought after land to go ahead and just like pimp out any of your, like your commander decks or yeah, your commander decks or even modern, just like constructed whatever. decks. Yeah. Like the first time I see somebody like with these lands in a deck, I'm going to be like, oh, oh, your boy's so jealous. You did it. Yeah. Daddy's jealous. <laughs> i'm done with you yeah so <laughs> well i'm done with talking about unsanctioned so that works out good and so moving on speaking of the the things that have happened in 2020 or that will be happening in 2020 uh we have our first taste of de what decks look like post uh theros beyond death yeah we do and there have i mean and like we kind of uh suspected from before there are some cards making some splashes in decks across a lot of form. Yeah. Uh, number one on that hit list, um, I would say for sure, is Underworld Breed. Oh, as far as like one specific card that's just like going deep? Going fucking ham in two formats, possibly three. I haven't really seen anything or been paying attention for Vintage, but yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, and like there's a chance that Modern could be a thing. But let's talk about, let's talk about the Legacy one first. So... 
one of the decks that uh, we saw that this pretty much just sparking out of nowhere um, is Jeskai Underworld Breach. It actually just won a the Legacy Challenge this past weekend. This deck is so strong. Force is strong with that motherfucker. Yeah, the force is way strong. And it only has four red cards in the main deck. Which are the Underworld Breach. Which was four Underworld Breach. Everything else is just like cantrips, tutors, and then like silence effects, and then counter map. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty much the whole entire concept of this deck um, is you are resolving an Underworld Breach, and then just like recurring Lion's Eye Diamonds, and Lotus Petals, and stuff like that. And then <laughs> the win condition that I'm most excited about is also another Theros card, which is Thassa's Oracle. Well, it actually has two built-in win conditions. Uh, the main one, obviously, being Thassa's Oracle, which you just win the game. But if for some reason they kill that in response to the trigger and you don't have another um, anything uh, like a blue permanent, um, you just lose until you just re-fucking-play it. Because that deck makes so much mana, but if, say, they plow it or something in response, you can just brain freeze them to death. Well, also, um, it's not like a Laboratory Maniac. When this trigger goes on the stack, that trigger resolves you in the game. Thassa's Oracle not... does not have to be on the battlefield. Yes, it does. No, because it's a trigger. Yeah, but your devotion is zero, so it doesn't matter. You would lose. Or you wouldn't win. You would have to replay it. Oh, I guess if, if, assuming that you have, if you would have like other, I guess there are no other permanents. The unless you have like a, a seal of permanent removal. is the, yeah, the seal, whatever seal that is. Yeah, there's, there's, they are playing reason, a blue enchantment that gives you additional uh, devotion to blue. Yeah, so it actually does have to be on the battlefield as it resolves. Um, you could honestly just play it again, though, unless it is plowed, which in that case, then you could just say, okay, I'll brain freeze you for 600 or whatever the fuck it is at that point. Because your yeah, storm so, count there, is probably those are the so two high. Main yeah. win conditions. Let's say so. You're either playing brain freeze, which is a storm card that mills your opponent for three with storm. storm, or mills target player for three, but it has storm attached to it. So if you just have like twenty storm, which is super possible in this deck because it's producing so much mana, you can just target your opponent with a brain freeze, and assuming that they don't have like an Eldrazi in their deck, uh, they they win the game, or you win the game. Yeah, you just say pass turn, and then they go to their upkeep and draw and loot. Yeah, they need like Veil of Summer or an Eldrazi. But yeah, this deck is taking Legacy by storm. It is so neat. Well, even if they have Veil of Summer, you can just, okay, in response, cast this second copy of Brain Freeze and Brain Freeze you. Oh, yeah, if you have multiple copies of Brain Freeze, then you're, like, you're off to the races. Well, your whole deck is in the graveyard. Yeah, presumably. At that point. So 99 times out of 100 you're going to win with Thassa's Oracle because you can cast Silence or Orm's Chant or any other thing that yeah. says, hey, opponent, you can't play spells this. And that's like the really powerful part of this deck is that it's just playing those weird effects that just say your opponent can't do anything. Um, okay, yeah, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do my thing. It's like kind of the Teferi text where yes. uh, it just makes those games like non-games if you're playing like a combo-y or like a spells-based strategy. Because your opponent just can't interact with on a stack and you don't have anything else. Yeah, it is very strong for that reason. Yes, which I love it. I love seeing decks like this. Um, I'm sure I'm not going to love it when I'm playing against it. Um, but I kind of like how Death and Taxes stacks up against it. Like me, like Athalia resolved against this deck makes this deck's life a lot harder. 
Yeah, but I think they then just eventually bounce it and then go to town. Yeah, it's just I don't like know how I have the matchup to, works. So I have to have Falia and also like clock them. Yeah, because if you give them time, they will just combo out and kill you. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I mean that's like the case with any other storm deck. Like uh, any storm deck can win through Thalia given enough time and resources. You just have to just put pressure on. Yeah, but because regardless, really, this deck is super sweet because it really can uh, go pretty pretty much uh, infinite. Not quite yes. infinite, but. It can produce a fuck ton of mana with Lion's Eye Diamond, and you just re- keep recasting LED, and then they storm. Yeah, and there's a point where it just, like, the wind becomes deterministic. Yes. Very well, strong deck. What's um, that? said it's a very strong deck, I think. Um, I could see this card getting banned several formats, including uh, Pioneer. Oh, my goodness. And the power level of it is just, like, it's just on its face. One of the most powerful cards we've ever seen printed. Like, it's so close to, like, Yawgmoth's Will that, like, how close can we actually get to that card where it's safe to play? I don't know if Underworld Breach it has met those qualifications yet because it is really good. Well, it's better and worse than Yawgmoth. And I'll explain. So it's worse that you have to um, exile cards from your graveyard in addition to paying their mana cost. Sure. So that part is just straight up worse than Yogg will. It limits your resources. Like with Yogg Mill, your resource, your limited resource is the mana that you can produce. Yes. And this, it has to be on the battlefield um, for you to keep doing that. So if mm-hmm. you go to do one thing and they remove it, you're out of luck. Where yeah. Yogg will last till end of turn. Yeah, because Yogg Yog will is a spell, not a permanent. Yes. Um, it is better than Yogg will, as in it doesn't exile cards at all like if you cast let's say brain freeze in this instance uh brain freeze just goes to your graveyard which then you can replay it yes and that was one of the things that's like one of the things that like makes yogwill a more skill intensive card because you can't just like no brain just like uh autopilot move through with yogwill you do have to kind of plan things out to ensure that you're not spending extra value if you don't plan on winning that turn exactly yeah. there are plenty of situations where yog will just like wins you the game on the spot but the times where it doesn't that is a really skill intensive card yeah so um in that aspect i think that they kind of fucked up with that yeah um i guess it, it remains to be seen only time will tell matthew only time will tell only time will tell that is correct oh hello i'm the dci Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, very strong. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on from uh, from Legacy to another uh, Eternal format, Modern. The only thing that I've really seen out of Modern, and this was a call shot from us, like the second we saw this card, um, our little our little friend Ox of Agonis. He's showing up in, in uh, some dredge lists. Yeah, it's. I would be shocked if he didn't. It just no, it, literally lets you, okay, I'll discard this with um cathartic reunion or whatever cool i'll draw my cards and then if you happen to have this guy in your graveyard with other dredgers or dredgers in your hand you discard your hand draw three and then dredge a shitload yes and my thing is with this and i've talked to i mean our our buddy austin friend of the podcast um he is a dedicated dredge player and, Very avid, yes. Yeah, talking. I was talking to him about this card initially when it was first spoiled, 
and he was kind of hesitant about it because he's like, I just don't know where it fits in the deck. Like, I don't know what I would cut because he's just like playing off of like the preferences that the deck has played in the past. Um, and then he got his hands on the card and played with it a little bit. And he's just like, oh, I don't care what I cut. Like, we're just we're going in because this card is just that good. So Dredge, yeah. it's it, it like gives Dredge the ability to just like go turbo and like not not like the deck couldn't go fast before. But now it can just be like, oh, I'm going to put like 12 power and toughness on the board on turn like two or three. And yeah, you're going to have to deal with it without a lot of work into it. Yeah, not like a, a shitload or like having like the lucky draw because Dredge could do that before. Or if just like they had like the perfect like seven card hand and just like hit really lucky off the top, they could do that before. It just kind of expanded that selection of, of hands that you could have to do that. And it just gets it going so much quicker. Yeah. And it hit like, what's the most you can dredge? 15 cards? For... Yeah, if, you have, if you have three Stinkweed Imps. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The... So, yeah. If you could, if you have like actual three Stinkweed Imps, you could do. Stinkweed, 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 that's 15. The nice thing is it also, um, it helps find other ones. Yeah. So the first one dredges five. You might hit another one. You might have one in your hand, whatever. Um, just super strong. So good, I think. And I don't play dredge. It's just like, okay, let's dump half my deck, half my remaining deck. And then it's, is dangerous. Yeah. The ox can get real wild real quick. <laughs> of course, it's so good. And like, there's been dredge players online, like, like sarcastically joking about it before but now there are actual dredge players being like oh in like six months from now we're going to be like reminiscing on the days where stinkweed imp was illegal and modern like that's how people are feeling about this like they're gonna be like oh all of the black dredgers are just gonna be dead when we could dredge more than three yeah because mm-hmm. even dredging 12 sure with that's still not a bad thing yeah yeah goodness gracious so it's good to see that not only Underworld Breach is good. They're just like only mod- only red cards at this point. Um, but there are some other cards that, that are, have been seeing play. Um, the decks that I'm really excited about seeing making splashes is in a format that you and I both have been like waffling back and forth on. That's good old Pioneer. The yeah, Pioneers used to ride these babies for miles. And these babies we were referring to are uh, obviously Underworld Breach. Let's let's go over that one first, because this is by far the sweetest deck that has come out of uh, this whole Theros madness that is that is occurring. Yeah, it's probably well, this this deck has a couple different pieces that it needs, um, which none of them are hard to get. So um, the Lotus Field, which is hexproof. Um, when it comes into play, sack two lands doesn't have to be tapped lands. No, but it itself comes into play tapped. And you can tap it, add three of any one color to your mana pool. Pretty strong. Uh, yep. If you, you just, uh, it doesn't advance you any. Um, it's your generally your third land drop. So still just adding three. Not a big deal until you add Thespian Stage in there, which lets you copy a land for two and tapping it. And then a bunch of untap effects with um, chronic flooding. So it enchants a land whenever that land is tapped. Uh, target player puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard. Hmm, I wonder what that r- works really, really well with. Yeah, so you can actually <laughs> go, you can mill yourself instantly with, um, what's that card? Hold on, we don't, we don't learn today. You talking about a card that mills you? No, 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 it untaps up to two things. It's the cipher one. 
Oh, uh, Hidden Strings. Hidden Strings. So yes. it's a colorless and a blue. Untap another, tap or untap target permanent, and then tap or untap uh, another target permanent. So you untap two Lotus Veils, or whatever the fuck it is, Lotus Fields, yeah, Lotus I guess. Fields. Um, and so you're constantly milling three with the Chronic Flooding, and you're just producing tons of mana. And then you have a nice little card called Underworld Breach, which now with your fully stocked graveyard, um, which is your library, you cast Thassa's Oracle and win. Even if they kill it in response to the trigger, you still win off the first trigger because of flooded or chronic flooding. Yeah, because that you do have the uh, the blue there. Yes. For your devotion. So this deck is tap or untap stuff that um, either cycles or that one, which actually ciphers, but that doesn't fucking matter. It's just you keep casting for two and three cards out of your graveyard. And then you um, also have stuff like pour over the pages, which is three blue blue uh draw three draw three cards and then untap two two or three lands you untap two lands and then you discard a card yeah so it just digs fucking hard has counter spells to back it up protect its combo and it plays like dig through time and stuff yeah well you have all the fucking cards in your graveyard forever yeah, I'm and just saying, like, just stop you just the first for, time. You just hey, I'm yeah, gonna like go you're digging. filling up your graveyard, and then you're casting a dig through time to dig for more things, and like it's just like snowballs. Yeah, this is another one of those to... decks that just has like a deterministic win at a point because it's yes. just like, oh, you just have a million options. You just like look at this and be like, oh, which way do I want to kill you? Um, this one. Yeah, I love that. It just like yeah, it this, real good. You look at this deck on paper, and there's like, oh, this is just a pile of really awkward unassuming cards commons and uncommons with a couple rares but then in practice it is so powerful it's so good yeah it's a pretty consistent like turn five kill i'm sure there are things that you could kill earlier than that with like uh, a boreal grazer and some land ramp but you don't need to do that no you could just play like just like an on pace game and still probably get there like there are fast decks in this format that will just get you dead. But like you also do have ways to interact. It's not like this deck just doesn't have anything to, you know, kill a creature or stop like, an opponent from doing something. It also out of the board has like the shifting ceratops, which is the green <laughs> dino that just fucks blue hard. Yeah, it just eats fucking blue things alive. Yeah, can't be countered. And then for green, you're like, okay, give it haste, vigilance, reach or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This deck is. Yeah. And like you said, it has um, the Anger of the Gods, which can just be cast casually off of uh, one Lotus Field. Yeah, because, you know, one land getting to play an Anger of the Gods, that's as Richard Garfield intended. (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't be broken if you couldn't untap it a shitload of times. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it is like the untap mechanic that really takes that deck from like, Oh, this is a fun, cute little thing, too. Oh, no, this is very, very powerful magic. Oh, you have 10 mana on turn four. Yeah, oopsies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the deck is super sweet. Yeah, pretty Another cool. Another deck that is super fucking sweet. And this one's a little bit more my pace. This The Underworld Breach deck That's is my pace. 100% the Matt combo player that is your jam. Every single day, twice on Sundays. Like, that's exactly what you want to do. Yeah, through and through, that's me, for sure. Yeah. This next one is, it's, it's got my name plastered all over it. It is the Mono White Devotion deck. First of all, it plays planes. Weird. So, already You're in. ahead in my book. 
it also plays our Lord and Savior, our new God, Heliod, Sun Crowned. Yeah. Oh, do you like that card? I'm in, man. I didn't think you'd like that one. Yep. Turns out my favorite card in Theros, uh, being played in a deck, makes the deck one of my favorite decks ever printed. Like, if there's a deck in Pioneer that's going to get me to engage in this format and want to dive head and head first, it's this motherfucker. So this deck is just all just dumb white creatures that just have a lot of white mana symbols in their in their casting costs. Um, so you're just building up your devotion to white, casting Heliod, and then uh, it is also, you know, inconspicuously playing things like uh, Arcanist Owl, which when it enters the battlefield, you can look at the top four cards of your library and you can reveal an artifact or enchantment and put it into your hand. So you can find, you know, which is also odd with that. Yeah. You can find a Daxos with that. Daxos is in the deck. That's really fun. Um, it's also playing some removal spells. It can play. It plays like Stasis Snare. It plays um, Elspeth Conquers Death. You know, another removal spell. Um, but yeah, it also finds Walking Blade. That also is um, four blue or white hybrid mana. So it's four pips of white. Yeah. Yeah. So just an Arcanist Owl and a Heliod on the battlefield turns Heliod on and gets him in four or five. I honestly think the unsung hero of that deck is Anafenza. Anafenza, the the Kintry spirit. Yeah, because it lets you um, kind of cheat on mana for the uh, walking play ballista. play Heliod Ballista kill you combo. Yeah, for uh, the, yeah, you for play the, Ballista the new Splinter for uh, two instead of four, 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 which is big. Yeah, yeah. So Anafenza, Kintry spirit. Uh, she's two white mana. She's a 2-2, and then whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you bolster one. So that was the mechanic from Dragons of Tarkir, where uh, you choose a creature with the least toughness, and you put a counter on it. So then, If something's tied, you choose. And you can choose, yeah. But like, regardless, whenever you play the Ballista, this, this trigger's going to go in the stack, and it's going to be a 1-1, one, one, presumably. There's only... There's no other 1-1 one one creatures in the deck. Yeah, the other thing that is even close is... Um, Thraven Inspector. Thraven Inspector. The one drop. Yeah, and Thraven Inspector is... Thraven Inspector is also an unsung hero in this deck because Thraven Inspector is just such an efficient card. Like, two toughness on a one drop, and you can cash it in eventually for a card. That is so good. The only... I've watched a couple different people in this deck. The only problem I've seen it having is board sweep. Sure. That's why I think... If, if, like, we're playing in a meta where you do really have to worry about board wipes, I think there is a world where you probably play, like, Southwest Spirit in this deck. Yeah, trade just one for one, keep your keep your idiots alive. Yep, and, I like, Southwest Spirit's a good card. hard to miss with you. Yeah, I like, I like that a lot. But, like, Daxos also combos really nicely, because a creature enters the battlefield, you gain a life, that triggers Heliod, so you're putting a counter on something. Or leaves, right? Comes in or leaves. Yep. It will. It's it's enter the battlefield or dies. Dies. Yeah. Which ideally you're not having a ton of creatures die, but like that is that's relevant text that I feel like in paper people are going to forget about a lot. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And my favorite part about this deck is too, I feel like it functions essentially the same with or without Nykthos. And this is a conversation we'll have a little bit later. But I think like Nykthos is going to be close to being on the chopping block. With Nixoth gone, I don't think it really alters this deck significantly. No, it definitely is not one of the monocolored decks. 
Um, there's actually only one monocolor deck that really wants Nykthos. And that's the green one. That's the green one. Yeah, yeah the mono black, a mono bunch white, of mana, mono red. Big don't really want that. Their utility land slot would rather be something else. Sure. Like the one mono white deck plays Mutavolts, doesn't it? This one? No, it does not. Oh, never mind then. Yeah, because you're just like, you're just trying to maximize uh, your white producing lands. And Nick, that was just like, or and uh, Mutavolt not producing white is a pretty big liability. I yeah, can see, that makes like sense. the mono white aggro deck definitely does play it because you're just like trying to get in, and like that just kind of is adding four more creatures to your deck while also not cutting down land slots, which is nice. Yeah, but like this deck plays a lot more like a mid range deck than a typical white deck would, or like a stereotypical white deck would. Yeah, it can beat down, but that's not the main gameplay. It's like more of a value deck than combat. Yes, exactly. Like, it can just play, like, the I'm going to play white creatures game, and I'm going to kill you with these white creatures. But then, like, it just be like, oh, surprise, Heliod Walking Ballista kill you. Yeah, which turns out to be pretty good. And that's what another thing where Nykthos comes in real big. Um, doing Walking Ballista activate Heliod kill you on the same turn, Nykthos goes a long way with that. So, like, that, like, instant combo like earlier in the game because of Nykthos isn't going to happen as much, but I still think the deck is totally functional without it. Yeah, I think so. You just have to slightly change it around because I think Ballista is probably on the short list for the chopping block as well for that format. Yeah, I mean, depending on how this Heliod uh, combo shakes out, I think you're right. But like I said with uh, Underworld Breach, only time will tell. Yeah, we're not going to know, so. But there is another deck that is playing there's only like a couple cards that have really jumped out at this point and uh also disclaimer uh we're not talking about standard uh no this is pioneer i don't even know i don't even know where to start with standard like i'm just an idiot like standard's a fine format it's just like i just don't i just don't care yeah i just don't have any yeah it's like it's whatever but this next deck i'm very interested in because it is another sweet one it's got the sauce all over it it is uh, blue black inverter of so this uh features our good old friend uh thassa's oracle again yeah, this that that is the sweet theros sauce that is in this deck i think it's the only card from theros in this entire list yeah um this deck features probably the most unplayable eldrazi to date um, i am not gonna lie to you matt i had to look up when i saw this deck i had to look up what inverter of truth was I had no, no clue what it was. Um, drafting that set, I've definitely opened him, and I'm like, oh. Oh, man. I opened this mythic? God damn. Yeah. Like, so if it's... you would have told me, like, if we would have started uh, Accumulated Knowledge, and you would have said Inverter of Truth, I would have never got it in a million years, and I probably would have asked for hints, and I still wouldn't have got this card. <laughs> like, that's how obscure this card is. Yeah. So it It's is fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's four mana. Two and two black. It's a 6-6 six, six flyer, which, sure, you think, oh, okay, well, it's a 6-6 six, six flyer for four mana. How bad could it be? Well, it exiles your library. That's how bad it could be. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that's not good and limited. No, not particularly. But you can find a way for it to be okay in fucking uh, in Pioneer, apparently. Because if you just exile your library... So you exile your library face down, and then you shuffle your graveyard into your library. Presumably your graveyard is not going to be massive. What you do after that is, you use our buddy Thassa's Oracle to devotion, look at your library, hopefully it's not very much, and win the game on the spot. 
And the other thing, this thing is just a six six flying flampler, or is it just flying? No, it's just flying. There's so, it does not have flample on. There is just the reality that you could just kill them with a six six flyer, depending on how late in the game. Yeah, I mean, there are worse things to have than a six six flyer. You know, like a library. Forget idiots trying to play with a library. Yeah, who the fuck needs a library? Thos's Oracle looks at libraries and says, "Make it get small. rid of it." Yeah, get that out of here. <laughs> I get that shit out of my fucking way. I'm trying to win the game, motherfuckers. I'm a 1-3, but I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take you to the promised land. So the ideal thing is you play Inverter, play Thassa, and win. That's like your little combo. Well, and you can also combo with uh, Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, which yes, is just like well. another version of a uh, like win the game effect with your library. Yeah, if you were to draw a card and there are no cards in your library, you just win. So that one is much more fragile than the other ones. But, I mean, this deck is sweet. Yeah, it's and, like, definitely besides unique. its goofy win conditions, like, it's just a solid blue-black control deck. Yeah, it's not terrible. It will just get there. Yeah, it's got, like, Fatal Push in it, some Thought Seizes, some Collective Brutalities, um, just, like, the standard suite that you would imagine. Yeah, that just happens to also have a combo in there. That's my favorite kind of decks. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to do dirty shit until like eventually I do these this combination of things. It just wins me. That's fun. Yeah. Like you just control the game, control the game. They do some shit. You're like, oh, I'll win. Yeah. Like they like they, they do something dumb, like tap out. <laughs> you're just like negative. Dumb, <laughs> See <dumb>. you, bud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. So good. So I, I think all in all, funny. And like we are literally in like week one of this. All in all, Theris has been making some splashes, and I expect it to make many more. What else do you see uh, actually making a splash? From Theros, you think? Um, yes. I would like to see... I mean, we talked about Underworld Breach in Legacy and Pioneer. I would like to see that touch modern. I would like to see a couple of these other cards touch modern. Like, I'm still not giving up on hope that Heliod is going to see some impact in modern. Um, I mean, with how we've seen it being applied in... Again, Legacy and Pioneer, Thassa's Oracle could have some legs. Like, they could do some weird strategies with that in Modern. Modern's just in a weird spot right now, where it's just like everything's in flux. But I think that's the, a great time to go adopt a new strategy and get weird with it. I think that Modern has too many answers. I mean, if there's anything that we've learned in the Modern era of Magic, it is that... Answers just keep getting better and better for things. Like, we were just like, oh, we already have so many great removal spells. And then they printed Fatal Push. And they're like, oh, fucking awesome. And they're like, oh, we already have so many great removal spells after Fatal Push. And then they were printed, or then they printed uh, uh, Assassin's Trophy. And then they were, and then they printed Magmatic Sinkhole. Like, the removal just keeps getting better and better in each color in some way. And, like, besides, like, weird combo things, it's not like we have seen a creature that isn't like a combo piece that just like hits the battlefield and just like turns sideways in a while. Yeah, that's true. So like, they're just going to keep, they're just going to keep printing things to keep pushing down like the creature based things while just letting the floodgates open for things like Hogak and Urza and shit like that. Like creature abilities that are just leading to combo finishes. Yeah. And there's a nice little thing called uh, the three drop to fairy. Yeah. That's true. That just say, oh, you can't actually do anything on my turn. Here, taste this combo. Let me know how, is it fucking drinkable or what? <laughs> you're just going to get smashed. Yeah, whatever happened to the combat step, man? Do people just like to skip through it? It's just, just like one big main phase now. 
It's overrated. Whatever happened to attacking? God damn it. Walkers. Now it's for counting your own count. It's the way to do it. Why would you do that when you ignore them and kill them? Yeah, usually you, you would have to, before in Magic, you would have to count how much damage you're taking. Now you have to count how many cards you have in your graveyard to be able to fucking exile for Underworld Breach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's our life now. Well, Wait, thankfully... how many counters can I put on this walking ballista? Infinite? Okay, well, I don't have to count then. Just fucking push it to your head. Gotta yeah, love that. Thankfully, magic there's not an actual, uh, like, brainstorm, or yeah, brainstorm, uh, brain freeze effect in modern. Oh, that we know of. Oh, disgusting. Thassa's Oracle is the closest thing to counting we're going to get. You have to count the amount of blue pips that you have and then count your library. And then hopefully the the first one is greater than the latter and you win. That's that's like yeah. the closest thing to counting we have. It's like, is this more or less? No? I'll wait. Yeah. I mean, before that, it was like, how many counters do I have on Oko? Like, do I have to add two or do I have to add one? Like, math is for fucking idiots. <laughs> what is this game? Yeah, right. I could see like a self mill deck it's kind of been floating around with that in it oh yeah just as like a secondary thing that you might just be able to casually go oh i have five Oops, cards in my it. graveyard or in my library and i got six blue mana symbols nice gotta love that this is the magic world that we're living in it's a fucking weird one i mean that's something that magic keeps doing is just changing and getting weird keep magic weird folks yeah i like the weird where we're like to discussing the options that Thassa's Oracle has in multiple formats. That's the weird that I like. Yeah, that it's, like, possibly bannable and everything. Yeah, like, that is so sick. Definitely wild. I love it. Well, how about we move on to uh, a topic that you actually brought up. For the first time ever, Matt came up with a good idea. First time ever, boy. Yep, every blind squirrel finds a nut, folks. Um, Matt, while we were talking, he was just like, hey... This is an idea. This is a nice little thought experiment. Um, what do you think they could put into modern, like print in, or not into modern, into Pioneer? My bad. What do you? Th what could they put into Pioneer that would be beneficial for the? F and I think that's a really, really good. Or that could just get put in and not cause havoc. Like what is fundamentally missing? Sure. And I had an idea with that. Um, cause you were thinking you like initially when you said it, you were just like, Oh, let's just go back to like the histories of magic. And we're not talking about like new theoretical cards that they could put in that haven't been printed. We are just talking about magic cards that already exist that they could put into the format and it would do a shakeup. Now we're talking, yeah, we're just talking about magic in its whole added to pioneer. You were thinking, okay, what can they just say? Hey, this is now legal. I don't think that that is particularly doable. It might not be, which is fine. It's just like they could, if they truly wanted to, they could just say, hey, these are now legal in Pioneer. Yeah, see, I don't know if that's like, just because the sets that are legal in Pioneer have, like it goes back to sets that haven't been printed for a long time. So all of the supply that's out there is pretty much the only supply that's going to be out there. And if they just say, oh, now this car X card is legal. It's going to really shake up the secondary market, and I don't want to see that. My thought is, and we talked about this a little bit before, um, the next, like, quote-unquote master set, instead of doing a Modern Horizons, do a Pioneer Horizon set. So you're bringing in cards that are outside of Pioneer into Pioneer. It gives you room to print cards that you think would be powerful for Pioneer, but maybe too good for Standard. Like, And that's, like, new cards or printable cards. 
and you're also giving those reprints to modern and you're giving them to legacy, which is nice. Yes, for sure. I think that's the coolest way to go about it. Yeah, there are definitely, I have some things, but some things I just don't know what you could put in there without just being like, okay, this is too modern-esque. Yeah. Not even too good, just... Hey, this Too is just close now starting to, modern. to resemble modern. Yeah. Okay. So it's just like you're trying to keep the formats as distinct as you can with also giving the format something that it probably desperately needs. Yeah. Did you actually come up with any ideas? Um, there were some that I was thinking of, but I am also like waffling back on back and forth between like whether they're too good or not. So uh, a good blue card that I think would be good in pioneer that it's currently missing um just a good two mana counter spell that's good early and not so good late like mana leak i think that would be perfectly fine it would push some of the other counter spells out but some of them are just shit and that's the only reason they're seeing play is because there's not something in that slot and you know it's funny i actually was that's one of my cards as well but it wasn't mana leak and i think mine is probably too good for the format it's actually remand uh, yeah, I think Remand might be a bit too good. Yeah, but like, uh, Remand is so good. Remand is very good, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't argue with that. So, Mana Leak was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, did you have anything for red? Um, does Electrolyze count as a red card? <laughs> it can. That can be a red card. Yeah, and that was my thought, too. I... Because um, we talked uh, before about cards that don't really see play in uh, modern anymore because they're just not good enough. I think Pioneer is a perfect place for those because they're pushed out of modern because of the power level of that format. Pioneer's power level is much lower. So really beloved cards from modern previous era could really see some significant play it really, I think, add a lot to the format in Pioneer. Um, I know we, like, you and I, before we were talking, we mentioned Celestial Colonnade. If they just, like, uh, finished off the Manland cycle in Pioneer, that would be really cool. And then also Electrolyze. Like, we don't see Electrolyze at all in Modern anymore, but that card is so fair, but so good at what it does. I think that'd be great for the Yeah, it's a nice little cantrip that also just, can ping two things off or just face or get one thing and replace itself. Uh, The first thing that came to my mind was lightning bolt. And then I said, probably not lightning bolt, but maybe one of those two mana burn spells such as, or like um, lava spike or something like that, that just gets some chunk in there. Oh, I do like the lava spike idea. Well, then I thought to myself, um, mono red's already really good. Yeah. So why not? Like, it's actually funny you asked if a blue-red card. I was like, why not, like, lightning heal it? If they want to play white, their mana bases are going to get worse. They're going to have to play some number of white land. And the three life doesn't really matter, but it's still the three damage. Okay, well, I, I mean, obviously, I think we, we're both going to agree that Bolt is too good. Yeah, well, not too good. I think it's just unnecessary in for every Pioneer. format. I think Bolt is just actually too good for Pioneer. That might be the case, yeah. Like, I also, you know, I mean, I'll, white the number one white fanboy on the planet. Uh, that sounds bad. The number one white Magic the Gathering card fanboy on the planet. Uh, Fair. I, I still, th- I, I think like a Path to Exile would be too good. Oh, yeah. Path would be way too good. I don't think that um, anyone would disagree with that. 
because then it's it's like well, okay why play pioneer except unless you're trying to play like a watered down modern you know what but i mean I, I do think there is room for like condemn though like a one mana white removal spell see i was going the other way um why not like thalia or flicker wisp or something oh now you're speaking my fucking language yeah see, Ooh, i'm daddy. instantly shocked that you didn't just say thalia like no hate really in pioneer and I think it would kind of slow down some of those combo decks um, on a 2-1 first striking body. Oh, Thalia. And also, like, a hate bear strategy is not super prevalent in modern either. Like, the closest thing is, like, humans, I guess. Yeah, mo- that is the only thing that's really prevalent for hate bear creatures. Yeah, and there, there are, like, people clinging on to the dream of, like, playing, like, green-white hate bears in modern. But, like, there is no dedicated, like, death and taxes style deck. No. At least seen in any kind of amount of play. I do love me some fucking Thalia. Flicker Wisp is probably too good. You think? Um, Because there could be, there is room for, like, that new Thassa that just blinks something at the end of turn. Blinking something at the end of turn, if it's a Flicker Wisp, literally just, like, removes a land from your opponent for their entire turn, or worse. It might be too good. That's entirely possible. Just because I've seen the disgusting shit that Flickerwisp can do, um, I and I would be afraid of the world where that's just like all Pioneer is. I mean, white is not particularly good in Pioneer, so maybe that would push it over the edge. But I would hate to see Flickerwisp get any kind of tarnished reputation because it's just like having a combo. I mean, double white is a real cost, so like that that is something to consider. But plus, I think the real strengths with Flickerwisp come from Aether Vile. That's true. Um, I could see there also being like an argument that if, like we said, this uh, mono white devotion deck, Flickerwisp goes into that like a dream. Yeah, instantly. Yeah. Oh boy. So I guess depending on how that deck checks out too is uh, kind of dependent on that. All right. What about uh, let's do uh, black next? What do you think? Um, if we're gonna be hundred percent honest, I could not think of a single black card that would be beneficial for Pioneer. It already has so many phenomenal black cards. I thought of one. And it is? Uh, Bitter Blossom. Well, they already kind of have a Bitter Blossom, don't they? And what? Um, The zombie one, the Amass one from... Not even close to the same thing. But I feel like it's a Pioneer power level version of it. Mm, Maybe. That's just what I thought. It's just like kind of bump up some token strategies or whatever. That's true. All right. What about uh, green? Um, so we have like a, we have land of war elves, right? We do have land of war elves. Um, so and I don't uh, really we might think... not have land. Yeah, we have land of war. Yeah, we have land of war elves. Um, and we do. We also have. Uh, no, we don't have Sylvan Caryatid. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do because it's in Theros. Yep, 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 yep. So I was thinking like there's like no need for another mana guy. Um, I would really hate to see there being like any other kind of like really powerful mana creature because I'm afraid of what that could do to the format. Oh man, like green's a tough one too. I could see like, and like it's a it's a weird one. I could see there being like a one mana green enchantment artifact removal, like nature's claim style. It's not a bad one. That's actually what I was thinking. Something along those lines. Yeah, uh, and uh, like I I don't think green specifically needs like anything like that's just going to become ubiquitous, like a main deckable card. But I could see green getting something that gives it some more teeth out of the board yeah that's uh i was actually thinking the not nature's claim but just it's one green destroy 
uh, artifact or enchantment three or less. I forget the name of it. Oh yeah, I I know what you're talking about. Uh, I do not remember the name as well. But something like that, yeah. Because then it, like it gives like collected company decks uh, the ability to kind of tussle, which is nice. Um, it just gives like the other green decks, which there's not like a crazy amount of green decks. Like there's a, the mono green one. There's Golgari. Uh, there's like the random company decks. All of the other decks that are playing green already have like decent ways of dealing with things or they're just like, don't give a shit. Yeah, I th- that's the only thing I could really think of. We don't need mana ramp. We don't need fucking any more green can trips or anything like that. Well, that covers all the colors, right? We got all the colors? White? Yeah. Do, could you think of any lands or artifacts? Now, the lands was the thing that I was initially went to when I was thinking about what could we add. Um, fetch lands, first. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first thing they ban you want to bring in. Yep. Um, yeah, bring back fetch lands. Make fetch lands great again. No, just kidding. Keep fetch lands out of Pioneer. That's like the only good thing about Pioneer. Um, and also Spirits is a deck in Pioneer, so I guess there's two good things. Oh, Heliod. Oh, there's three good things about Pioneer. Um, <laughs> but besides that, those those three things, I would like to see them, and this is something they can do, maybe not in a context of like doing like a, a like a Pioneer Horizon set, um, but just something they can do over the course of the next few standards. Bring in like the finished cycles of some of the unfinished land cycles. Like the rest of the fast lands would be really nice. Uh, like I said, the rest of the man lands, maybe not the exact man lands, because like Raging Ravine and Colonnade and stuff are obviously very good. I don't know if Colonnade would be too good, but there's a chance that Wizards might not want to take the risk. See, I think they would all... Uh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, Field of Ruin is pretty prominent. Pioneer. Um, it can literally go into pretty much any deck. And then um, Fatal Push is like one of the premier removal spots. Sure. And um, they're really not seeing play in Modern. Raging no. Ravine does a little bit. Yeah. What do you think about, um, as far as the lands category goes, what do you think about doing, like, uh, Ghost Quarter? Like, adding another kind of uh, land destruction land? No, I don't like it. I actually kind of just like Field of Ruin. Let's both players search, so it doesn't really do anything. It just gets rid of problematic lands and still helps control decks make their land drops and not screw themselves. Okay, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, just insulate the format against any other fucky land shenanigans that would happen. Like, I don't think it particularly needs a ghost quarter, but I don't think it would be bad to print in standard. And I think it's just like a fine card that the format would be okay with having. I might be right. I just figured keep it, keep it simple. Keep the one, the one land that does it. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Um, any artifacts you could think of? Um, see, this one's tough. Like, like the ones that immediately come to mind are obviously just like, Umazao's Jete and Battle yeah. Skull <laughs> yeah. and, and sort of fire and Skull ice. Clamp and <laughs> Yeah, just print Skull Clamp into the format, you cowards. <laughs> um it's funny you actually say that. I was thinking the sword. Ooh, were you really? Yeah, there's uh, not really a way to t- But the thing is and like they, on mana cost at instant speed that's uncounterable. They but they didn't print the other like the newer swords, the sword of sinew and steel and uh Sort of truth and justice. They didn't print in a those standard set. Yeah, that would be one of the ones that would be in like the pioneer masters. The pioneer masters, sure. Um, um, it'll I'm drop worried the price. The to power level would have like to get scaled so much, though. I don't think so. It's five mana. Swords are still so good. Yes, they are very good, but I don't think it would be overpowered without it. because before 
Um, his nuts came in. Stoneforge Mystic. Swords What's really didn't see play at all in modern. That's Mrs. What's his nuts to you. <laughs> but yeah. they didn't see play okay. until they could be tutored and cheated into play at instant speed and be uncounterable. They may be too good. Yes, that is entirely possible. Just a thought I had. But I like, like, this is a really good thought exercise. Because if you're doing something for five mana, that's just pumping a creature and giving you an additional effect if it hits, I feel like that's fine. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now that, see, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm starting to get on board with your thought process. Because the swords in Batter Skull are broken when combined with a tutor effect. Yeah, Stoneforge. Yeah, getting to cheat it in is, I yes. think, the, the big thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board. So is there... Okay, so let's go... Let, to build off of that, are there any cards that you see in Pioneer right now? With us not having bannings for a while, are there any cards moving forward that you think would need to be banned to keep this format healthy? Nykthos uh, comes to mind and possibly Breach if the format can't adjust. Sure. But you it took... should be should be able to adjust with Rest in Peace in White the new lantern uh card from theros and yeah which is which is a functional reprint of like a relic of progenitus effect and i think tormod's crypt is actually legal i'm not Ooh, positive it might be. On if that. not throw that in the artifact category yeah but i i think that it is legal i'm not positive but we could also have like a um oh there is the the gravestone from ixalan that too so like and they I think already have something like that like a too. colorless thing that you can do yeah so there's a bunch um of that it might not be like once it adjusts it might just be like okay do all that or just have that sitting on board and okay uh after you cast it because it's not an instant speed spell that lets yeah. you go off and off and off it's okay uh exile your graveyard yeah there's a good chance that like the deck can just play around that i just yeah, i like don't know yet the, once the know. creature hits the yard or whatever just say bye bye yep exactly i've it's it's hard to tell at this point and then uh, any other, anything you thought of? Um, you l took the thoughts literally right out of my head. Uh, Breach, depending on how things sort out. Um, I think just right now, just generically, I think Nexos. Uh, I will use this time, this this platform right now to say that in the current way that uh, Pioneer's shaking out, I have 1,000% lost the bet that uh, Dig Through Time and uh, Treasure Cruise would be banned. Yep, I told you they're not nearly as strong. No, I've definitely taken the L. The format is far more aggressive than I gave it previous credit for. I thought it was going to be significantly slower. And in the world where it's slower, those cards are very good. We're just not in that space right now. Yeah, I figured that that would happen. Yeah, so this is me laying down my sword. You got me. I believe you have to play a deck of my choice. Yeah, that we're going to make that an entire fucking episode itself. God damn it. Yeah, so keep your ears open for that one. Fucking Christ. Yeah, that one's coming down the pipeline, folks. But I think this is a uh, better time than any to uh, issue our question of the week. Ooh, I can dig it. Yeah. What is it? Um, I th I, we, should, we should tie it into that little pioneer conversation that we had. Because I think that was fruitful. And it's, it was, a, I mean, it was a very, very cool thought exercise with a newer format that is just kind of getting its, its sea legs. So our question to... Uh, to the folks out there. And this is going to be a little bit different than the previous formatted ones. Um, it's going to be multi-tier, and we're going to ask for some, uh, some a little bit more interaction. So what 
your thoughts on Pioneer as far as the card legality situation going on? One, do you think the format is good where it is and just let things trickle out? Two, if you don't agree with that, what cards need banned in order to uh, see the format out, at least in some functionable way? Or three, we need to print cards, older cards, into this format, either through, like Matt was mentioning, uh, just saying, hey, this is legal, or even through standard printings or uh, supplementary printing, like uh, like a, a Pioneer Horizon. So if you if you and think something needs those, printed, so. toss it into the comment section of the tweet that we're going to be tweeting out for uh, the question of the week. If you think something needs banned, put it into that. And if you think it's uh, everything's fine, go ahead and select that option. And also, I'd like to hear a description of why you think that the format is fine. Because I yeah. think uh, like that that opinion could also just 100% be true. But I think this, like I said, this is a very cool and I think a very productive thought exercise in a relatively new form. Yeah, and you'll post that on the Twitter. Yeah, it will be posted on the Twitter the second that this episode is edited and released. So whenever you're listening to this, the uh, the question will be out on the Twitter. And that is Fetch underscore shock, for those of you who are wondering. Fetch under. <laughs> All right, dude, any, uh, any more thoughts on unstable or theros or pioneer or other formats no dude i'm tapped out to be honest with you oh boy well you can't be quite tapped out yet because one thing left to do and that Sign is off. a little bit of uh accumulated knowledge so it is actually me asking i believe yes it is my turn this week i'm very excited and by excited i mean i am as prepared to lose as i usually am yeah that's fair I think overall, so, somebody's going to have to go back and do the statistics. If, okay, podcast listener, I will give you uh, some tokens, some tokens, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, also, if you just like send us a DM, I will send you tokens and I will draw whatever on them. All you have to do is send the DM, DM. I don't give a shit. But if somebody goes back, I will make extra special tokens if they do figure out our win percentage and make a spreadsheet. Oh, <laughs> that's spicy. I like that. Yeah, I will make... You will get your own exclusive token with your face on it. I will recreate your face. It won't look like you because I am have zero talent. What if I do it? Then I will draw you, but it's just going to be a big fat dick on a token. Oh, uh, fair, fair. <laughs> so go ahead and explain the game. Well, I guess and we then, could do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, got your, I got your first one locked and loaded here. Beautiful. I hope it's a good one. So for those of you out there who are not familiar, every week we do a game called Accumulated Knowledge. The premise behind this game is one of us asks the other a random card generated from the Scryfall website. The uh, the person who's being asked the card needs to give the cards mana cost. If they get it right, they get a point. And if they don't, uh, then they are useless and uh, they're going to be lonely and for the rest of their life. And they're going to die a sad, lonely death. Um, I... That's true. 100% true. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much true. I have to get three out of five correct, and I get two... Do I get three hints? Two hints, three hints. Uh, you get three hints. Hey! No, hints. no, you only get two. We cut down to two. Oh, I got bumped down. That sucks. Well, I get two hints, but I only have to get three out of five right. Yeah. Um. So, Matt, what what would be my first card? So, your first card... Um. I don't know if you'll get this one. There's a possibility... It is Celestial Kirin. Celestial Kirin. That sounds like a white card. Is it like Celestial Colonnade? So is it? It's a four-four flyer with vigilance. 
Yes, you nailed it. No, that's not it. Celestial Kieran. Why does that sound like something that I've actually seen before? Uh, probably because you have. It sounds like a white card. Celestial Kieran. Celestial Kieran. I imagine this card has flying. And I imagine it's a Kieran creature. The creature type Kieran. The Celestial gives me the flying. The Kieran gives me the creature type. Uh, besides that, I am in the dark. You tapping out. I think I'm going to need a hint for this one. I'm going to expend a hint because I feel like getting the hint will help me get this. I feel like I've heard of it. What would you like to know? I would like to know the text of the magical card. So the text of the magical card is flying. Nailed it. Whenever you play a spirit or arcane spell, destroy all permanents with that spell's converted mana cost. Oh, this is a, this is a commander card. It's two white white. Yes, it is also... You got that right, yeah. Yeah, it's a Wrath of God. Um, it's like a 3-3, three, three, right? Um, even better than a Wrath of God, this was seeing Fringe play with Ugin's Conjurant uh, that lets you Armageddon. Oh. Yeah. That's Ugin's fun. Ugin's Conjurant's the X colorless spirit. Um, so you just play it for zero and Armageddon with this in play. Oh, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose you get that one. Yeah, this one I've definitely put in Commander decks before. This card is sick. Oh, uh, fuck it's off. It's a spirit, right? It's a sprit. Yeah, fuck it. And it's also a Kieran. It is a Kieran, yes. Yeah, nailed it. Cool. <laughs> um, that was on the right path. So you got a uh, waffle here. Um, Clothis, God of Destiny. Clothis, God of Destiny. Wait, is that the... That's the new one, right? I don't know. That's the one red-green one? Is it? I'm giving you a hint. Is it? Oh, now you got me all fucked up. Uh, yeah, I think it's the, you know, it's, it has to be the new one. Cause the, is it God? Well, the, is it God is, uh, uh, Kranos. So it, it yeah, I'm going to say that it's the new one. It's the one red green one. First of all, you friggin' pleb. It's Karanos. Yeah. Kranos. Yeah. Yeah. Karanos. Yeah. Kranos is the guy from God of War. Karanos is the God that I played in actual constructed formats. So what's your, your final answer? It's, I'm going to say it's the new one. One red green. You are correct. Nailed it. So this is uh, four or five indestructible for, like you said, one red green has the god text um, less than seven. It isn't a creature beginning your pre-combat main phase exile card from a graveyard. If it was a land card, add red or green. Otherwise, you gain two life and Clothis deals two damage to each opponent. Yeah, loving that. Yeah, that was a that was an easy one. Fuck yeah. Ooh, this is a little themey. Ooh, uh, for what we were literally just talking about. Uh, this one is called Lab Rat. Lab Rats? Um, that's the, it's, uh, Lab Rats is the one, is it, that's, oh, it's one in a black or one black. Lab Rats is the OG one, isn't it? Oh, I hope I'm not getting this confused with, like, the, the Rat Colony. Rat Colony is the new one. Rat Colony is one in a black, so it's just one black, right? You tell me, Sunshine. It's one, yeah, one singular black mana. Is that your final answer? That is correct. Um, that is correct, but it is not the card you're thinking of. The OG rats are all one in a black. Um, this one is actually from Tempest, or Stronghold, and it is uh, one black sorcery. Put a 1-1 one, one black rat creature token onto the battlefield with buyback for four colorless. Oh, Jesus. That was definitely not what I was thinking of. No, well, I'm you glad were, I'm a fucking idiot. You were thinking of the one in a black, 1-1 one, one when it comes into play. Opponent discards a card. Yeah, what is that one? Uh, there's all the rats pretty much do that. You're thinking of everything but this card. 
Oh, I thought there was like a rat colony one that's just like super old that is just one black. Uh, no, the other one is uh, one black black. Oh, um, so I'm I was just like you. off on all accounts, but somehow got it right. Somehow got it right. Yeah, I'm a genius. I'm going to look that up because that's uh, so we got bog rats, burglar rat, carrion rats, which may have been thinking of chittering rats. What am I fucking thinking of? You can play any amount of them in a deck. Oh, uh, fuck. I built a I had a rat uh, like casual deck when I like first started playing magic. I think that's the only reason why I know like what rat colony and stuff does. I don't know. I'll look it up after because that's going to bug the shit out of me. Yeah, I, play, I definitely played a rat's casual deck because it had the Ravnica one that like benefited the Ravnica guy. It was like a like a homeless man that benefited from rats. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for your next one? I'll be. Oh, you already won. Oh, I won, but I still want to get the last two. Yeah, you're not getting them. I'm going for batting a thousand here, bud. Um, This is Arkham Slay. Arkham Slay. Arkham Slay. Well. Arkham's Astrolabe's a snow colorless thing, and that's the only other thing in my brain that has Arkham in it. Arkham Slay is a sorcery for one and a blue. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are way wrong. Yep, Tom's about right. One colorless. This is from Ice Age. Uh, two colorless, tap it. Attacking this turn does not cause target creature to tap. Also, give something vigilance. Uh, you cannot use this ability if defending player controls no snow-covered lands. Oh, geez, that is a gustingly bad card. Ice Age, my dude. It yep, was a weird time. Sense. Oh, so it's just um, like one colorless artifact. Yeah. So if I would have just said like one colorless, I would have been fucking gold. You would have been solid gold. And the rat card we were thinking of is Relentless Rats. Relentless Rats. There we go. Thank you. Do what I can. Oh, you would get Prairie Stream. Oh, Ooh, a little bit of blue-white action. I don't think you're going to get this bitch either. Uh, this is Cunning Giant. Cunning Giant. For your fifth and final card. Okay, so let me get this straight. I already won. You already won, yes. I have one question. What's that? Does this card have flavor text? Uh, hold on. No. Fuck, I was going to use my hint to ask for the flavor text. It does not. God damn. Um, so I'm going to use my hint... Um, what is the rarity of this card? Um, believe it or not, it is actually rare. Okay. Um, so it's a giant. You actually giant. have another hint. No, I thought I only had two hints. Yeah, I used one on, hints, uh, yeah. Arkham's Kieran. Yeah. Or not Arkham's Kieran, fucking, uh, I knew what you meant, Celestial, Celestial Kieran. So I don't have any hints, but I do know that it's a giant, and it's a rare. Um, you had to look it up, because you stuttered. So it means it's an old card that doesn't have the color rarity on the mana sim. So it's a giant and it's a rare. It's red and five. A red and five? Yes. I'll be damned. Did I get it? Yeah, you got that. Are you serious? Yeah, this is from uh, Portal Second Eight. Oh my god, no way! What is, what is it, just like a fucking like 3-3 three, three or something that does like it's nothing? six mana for a 4-4. Four, four, and then... Um, I will read it verbatim what it says. If Cunning Giant attacks and isn't blocked, you may choose to have it deal its damage to any one of your opponent's creatures instead of to instead of to him or her. Yeah, that sounds like a Portal 3K rare. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I just fucking in the I can't I can't believe you got that either if it makes you feel any better. Also, I mean the fact that you gave me the hint of is it's a rare and that you, like, had to, like, look it up. If you would have just been like, oh, it's a rare. Like, if you would have known on the spot that it was a rare, I would have been like, oh, I'm so fucked. 
but because you're just like, uh, it's a rare means that I knew on the spot that it was an old card. Yeah, it's bad because first of all, I didn't know. I heard I saw giant. I was like, oh, he's got three and a red or green because most like giants are oh, most giants are red. Most giants are red. Yeah. I just went like old card has to be red. Uh, let's just throw out an absurd number. It's probably bad. And just fucking nailed it. <laughs> yes. You hit it oh, pretty so hard. I'll I give you that one. I did that. <laughs> yeah, that's the highlight of everything. That is, I think, by a significant margin, the greatest just fucking free ball nailing it of any card that we've ever got on accumulated knowledge. Oh, for sure. That was, I'm not going to lie, that was a swing and you fucking nailed it. Like, I'm pretty shocked that this is, uh, like, that is that is where I peaked. That was peak performance, listeners. Yeah, this, you may not like it, but this is what peak performance looks like. That was pretty peak performance. Yeah, and uh, despite the fact that they can't, they're not looking at it, but, uh, you know. So that means I get the shout out, right? That means you get the fucking shout out. All right. So uh, I think our shout out this week is going to go to a uh, a streamer. And I I guess like, would you call what this guy does? Like it almost is. It, is it what TikTok is? I don't That's know. That's what TikTok is. Yeah. It I was like say, the, the first. All I, I see the posts on Twitter and I just like assume that's what a TikTok is. But I don't actually know. Not going to lie. It's actually pretty funny. Oh, my God. It's hysterical. He is uh, D's MTG. It's at Nick Valdez. So Just it's, spell it. It'll be easier. Yeah, it's Nick. V-A-L-D-E-E-Z-Y. Valdez. And yeah, he's a magic streamer. But like, I've just seen him popping up on Twitter recently for like just magic TikToks of him just doing impressions of like, oh, this is like what a burn player reacts as. Or this is what a control player reacts as. Or like when you draw the land that you need and shit like that. Like it's so yeah, fucking funny. The one of my favorites is actually he does one. He's like, uh, first time at an FNM, and he's like, you pass priority, and the dude's like, what? And he's like, schnarf, look, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps like getting more and more aggressive with it. Yeah, I just really, fucking it's, love it's it. Good. Yeah. My favorite one that he did that I saw was his fucking. He's just like, oh, opponent taps out. At nine life against burn. And it's just like him with like a fucking red wig on. Yeah. And it's him just like fucking dancing with like monastery swift spear, like lightning bolt, lava axe. Like, yeah. It dome you. It was actually bolt, bolt, and swift spear, I think was the. Yeah. It makes me laugh. Yeah. Oh my really God. Funny. It fucking kills me. Like, I, I am at the age where I am like, what is a TikTok? Who is a TikTok? I have no idea. I didn't know and, what it was either. So and don't. now this guy is making it relevant to my life. So whatever he's doing, he's doing a great job. Yeah, it was, it's funny. Yeah, fucking awesome. So yeah, shout out to Nick Valdez. Go give him a follow. Um, it will make you more literate in what TikTok is at very least. At very least, you'll get some good laughs out of it. Fucking brilliant. Gotta love it. So for the little sign-off convo, I uh, have been thinking about getting back into Popper if Ooh. I can find some Popper uh, tournaments in the upstate New York area. So those of you who are listening, if you are up there within, let's say, 45 minutes of Rochester, let me know. And I will for sure 
be wanting to play some popper. I want to slang some commons. Oh, I love that little call to action style that you just threw in there. Yeah, I figured, fuck it. Also, if you're a listener and you're in uh, central western Pennsylvania. No one is in central western Pennsylvania. Okay, then never mind. Fuck everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, if they are in the Rochester area and they want to play popper or just want to follow you on Twitter, where do you think they could do that? Twitter. (laughs) You're such (laughs) scum. (laughs) But am I wrong? No, you're not. You're not. But like. More specifically on the website of Twitter, where do you think you'd be able to do uh, that? Probably at It's Bop. Now, let's say, hypothetically, we had somebody in central western Pennsylvania that wanted to follow me. Where do you think they'd be able to do that? Kev's house. No. Uh, follow me to Kevin's house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, probably on Twitter at... Uh, now, let's say there's somebody out there uh, listening to this that maybe doesn't live in uh, Rochester or central western Pennsylvania. Let's say they live in... Uh, uh, North Dakota or Canada or California or Texas or Florida or Michigan or any of those other places. Let's Germany, Italy, uh, uh, Venezuela, anything like that. Where would they be able to on on the Twitter? Where would they be able to keep up with the Factory Shock podcast? At LSV. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at uh, Fetch underscore Shock. God damn right. So everybody out there, go to fetch underscore shock. And you're listening to this at this point. So you know that the question's out there. Go answer our question for the week. We're going to keep doing this until the weeks run out. Till the doomsday clock hits zero. Could be sooner than we think. Yeah. And honestly, we'll probably do it after that as long as I still have an internet connection. So <laughs> we'll do it in person. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> we're just going to gather around. Everybody gather around. We're going to talk about Magic the Gathering that doesn't exist anymore. I would for sure be playing Magic if the end of the world hit. When the apocalypse comes, everybody's going to be dealing in fucking commons and uncommons. <laughs> yeah. I, I will trade you this ghostly flicker for one sack of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. That's good. All right, dude. Well, uh, if, if we have nothing else, I guess I, there's only one I more thing left to say. Else. That would probably be... Peace. See you later, nerds! Fucking bye. Bye. <laughs>